Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. The kingdom, of course, has been the series we've been in this month, the story of the kingdom. And if you're here and you say, what does that have to do with me? Well, your purpose is found in his purpose. Amen. And your story is found in his story. Uh, at this point, I believe most of you, if not all of you, need a sermon card. So they're going to pass them out uh, at this time. And this, of course, is for you to follow along. Um, with the message, but most importantly, to go back over what God is saying to you and saying to this community through the message throughout the week. Also want to remind you there on the Bible app. So if you have Bible app on your phone, you can go and you can do a search for Dwelling Place Church and all of the scriptures that we will be looking at today and the notes for today, you can find there on the Bible app. Okay, so you can follow along. Uh, that way as well, and you can share that through social media so that others who are not here can see what we looked at today and what God is saying to this community that we call Dwelling Place Church. And so I want up front, want to say happy Father's Day to the fathers here from one father to another, and I also want to say to those who don't know their earthly father or don't have a good relationship uh, with an earthly father that you have fathers here. And I'll be a father, I'll be a spiritual father as well. There's other fathers here that will take uh, that opportunity to be an instrument of God's grace and a fatherly figure to you. And you say, how can you do that and not take the pressure on? Because I believe God's grace will enable the men of this church to be godly father figures to those who don't have fathers. Amen. And that's the great thing about God our fathers. We're going to look about... Uh, him and his heart today is that he is a father to the fatherless and he is a father to the orphan and those who feel they have been robbed in life by not having a father that was in their life or one that was adequate to meet the needs that we all have and the good news is is that your past doesn't have to dictate your future and I know a father the heavenly father that can wound the father wounds that maybe you carry or that many of us carry today. And so, as I mentioned, we've been in the series titled, The Story of the Kingdom. And I today want to teach a message titled, Our Father in His Kingdom. Our Father in His Kingdom. I want to read two scriptures up front that's going to be the springboard and sort of the foundation for what the Lord has put on my heart to share today, both being in the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 32, Jesus says, Luke 12, 32, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And one more, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter into the kingdom yourself, and those who were entering in, you hindered. 
I would like to pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I thank you that you have sent your son, that he came and he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to take away our sins. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Christ to hearts and minds today. I thank you that the enemy and his lies have been severed and canceled and broken off people in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I thank you that the anointing heals the brokenhearted, that the anointing proclaims that there's liberty, that this is the acceptable year of the Lord, that today is the day of salvation. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make the Father's heart experienced in our hearts I thank you, Lord Jesus, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You are the everlasting foundation. You are the sufficiency. You are Savior and King and Lord. And we proclaim that your kingdom has come. We ask now that your will would be done. We thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, if you have been here thus far in the series or if this is your first Sunday, it's okay, this uh, in the month of June, but we have looked thus far, at holiness in his kingdom. We have looked at seeing in his kingdom, and today we're going to look at our Father in his kingdom. You know, today we celebrate the role of fathers in the plan of God. you got to understand that fathers is not something that is man-created. It is created by God the Creator. Fathers have a role in the purpose of God, in the plan of God. And though this message will have direct application to those of us who are fathers today in our relationship with our children, I do want to clarify something up front, that though we're in a series talking about the greater context of the kingdom, you got to understand that Paul exhorted every follower of Jesus Christ to be an imitator of God. In fact, in Ephesians 5.1, he says, be imitators of God as dear children. As a follower of Jesus Christ, whether we're male, female, father, mother, whether we're a son or a daughter or a sibling, a brother or a sister here today, we're all called to be conformed to the image of the Father as revealed in Jesus Christ. What this means is, is we are all called to put on Christ and his character, which all finds its source in the nature of God. Therefore, all of us here today are to see are to learn and to be conformed to characteristics of the heavenly father, whether we're physically a father or not. Okay, everybody with me? So what I'm saying needs to be said to all of us today. What I'm saying can be received and applied to all of us. When you talk, think about the story of the kingdom, you're, you're thinking about a story that is full of depth. It's full of significance. It's full of meaning. It is rich. You know, I don't know about you, but if, if you're able to eat good food, uh, I am privileged through my wife to eat a lot of good food. Praise the Lord. Thank you for God's favor. But there are some food that is so rich that you can't just describe it with one word. It takes multiple words with multiple facets of meaning to try to get someone to understand the experience that you had when you ate that food. It's the same about the story of the kingdom. The story of the kingdom is so rich, it's so deep, it's so beautiful that it takes many stories within the overall story of the kingdom 
for us to begin to only perceive and begin to understand accurately what is the kingdom of God? What is the story of the kingdom of God? So throughout scripture, you find this. You find story after story. You find events that God has recorded, that God has inspired the record of those events. Now, he didn't inspire the events, but he inspired the recording of those events. And he has chosen to use those events to reflect some meaning, some facet, some aspect of the overall story of the kingdom of God. The theme of the kingdom of God is found throughout Scripture. In fact, it's a theme that goes even before creation, even before God created the earth, even before he created animals, even before he created mankind. The story of the kingdom preceded all. It preceded all. The first thing I want to say regarding the story of the kingdom is the importance of perception. Jesus arrives on the earth in the days while he is here on the earth. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He is seeking to help us perceive the story of the kingdom more clearly. What is perception? Well, perception is defined as the act of understanding. The act of understanding. Without perception, people can hear, but not yet understand what it is they're hearing. Without perception, you can watch a movie and still not perceive what is the purpose of the story or the theme of the movie. It's the same regarding the kingdom of God. It all starts with perception. With perception. As a father, myself or you as a father, if I'm unable to understand the father in his kingdom, it is extremely difficult to reveal the father in my kingdom. You say, that's a prideful statement today, Pastor Chad. You have a kingdom? I have a kingdom. You have a kingdom. What do I mean? You have a place where you make decisions and can determine what takes place in that sphere. Fathers, in your house, you can make decisions that determine what takes place in that house. Well, that's a little kingdom. Meaning you have the ability to make choices to permit things or not permit things. And as a father, if I cannot perceive the heavenly father in his kingdom then it's going to be very difficult for me to reveal the Heavenly Father in my kingdom. Meaning my decisions won't reflect the Heavenly Father's heart, His ways, His decisions. This is important. It's the importance of perception. Notice what Jesus says again in Luke 12 and verse 32. He says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice what he starts off. Do not fear. Do you understand today that fear is not the foundation of the kingdom of God? Therefore, fear is not to be the foundation for our relationships, fathers, with our children. Fear is not the foundation for the kingdom of God. In fact, fear doesn't even have its origin in the kingdom of God. You don't see fear until you see the consequence and the effect of Adam resisting the kingdom of God. And likewise, all mankind, all people since then, doing the same. So Jesus is here confronting 
What is the opposite of our father in his kingdom? He's confronting fear. He says up front, do not fear. He is seeking to impact our perception. What is the father like in his kingdom? What is our creator like in his kingdom? Well, notice what he continues to say. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice what he says. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice what it's not. It's not the Father is reluctant to give you the kingdom. It's not that he is upset to have to give you the kingdom. It's not that the Father is just okay with giving you the kingdom. Oh, notice what Jesus says in revealing the Father's heart towards you and I today. He states it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is being in right standing with the Father. The kingdom is the right to have a relationship with your Creator so you can experience joy and peace, that you can experience rightness in every relationship, in every facet of life, that you can experience the will of God in every area of your life, in your mind, in your emotions, in your career, in your finances in the relationships that God has for you. This is the kingdom. It is the will of God. Notice also regarding our perception of the Father and His kingdom that it's not just His good pleasure for you to experience His kingdom. It's not just His good pleasure for you to experience His will. It's not just His good pleasure for you to experience His reign and the circumstances that you're facing in life. But listen, it is His good pleasure to give you such. It's not just his good pleasure for you to experience peace. It's not just his good pleasure for you to experience joy. It's not just his good pleasure for you to experience a right relationship with your creator. It is his good pleasure to give you such experience. To give it to you. See, it's not his good pleasure to see you try to earn and to achieve by your own might his kingdom. It's not the Father's good pleasure to look down upon you and to see you striving for more peace, to see you striving to earn more joy, to see you striving to have a relationship with Him. No, 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 no. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you a relationship with Him. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you peace today. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you joy today, to give it to you. You know, it's interesting that Jesus in his ministry, he tells the rich man that he encounters, he says, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It's interesting because if you just read that story, you would think that Jesus has an issue with his followers having money. But later he tells another story about the kingdom and here's what he says. He says, there is a certain nobleman who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. And he calls his servants and he delivered and he gave to them a large sum of money and he said to them, do business until I come or occupy till I come. Very interesting. Jesus tells the rich man to sell all that he, he has earned. And then he tells a story about a nobleman who actually gives money to servants to use it 
until he returns. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. Jesus is saying that the rich man, the reason money gripped his heart, is because it's money that he earned. The noble man gave people money and provisions that they didn't earn. It's the difference of the father's heart. And it's a different father's and the perspective on life. Do you see everything that you currently have as what you have earned? Or do you see everything that you currently have as the heavenly father giving it to you? It's a big difference. This is why Jesus told the rich man to give away all that he had because the reason is that that money gripped his heart because he saw it as what he had earned, not what the heavenly father had given him. See, the difference is important. Till we sell all, till we die to all that we can achieve, we cannot experience being given all that the Father has. You say, what does the Father have? Well, listen, he's got peace that surpasses all understanding. He's got joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that can't even be expressed. He can give you that. See, as a father, if I'm going to demonstrate the father I see, the heavenly father in his kingdom, i got to understand the difference of not seeing life as what I have earned, but seeing life on what the father has given me. And see, this is the difference. It's the difference, fathers, in our children seeing the hand of God in what we have Versus just seeing the hand of man. See, if I see everything that I have as just being what I've earned, then all my children are going to grow up seeing is, well, that's what the hand of man can provide. But if I see that what I have comes from the hand of God, then my children are going to grow up seeing the hand of God behind the things that we have. Very, very important. The first thing I want to say about when we see our Father in His kingdom is that the Father in His kingdom is giving. It is giving. Fathers, when we have a right perception of our Father in His kingdom, we will be pleased to give unto our children. Why? Because we have experienced receiving what our Heavenly Father has given us. Now, this is not a giving that leads to enablement. This is not a gift that leads to children who don't learn responsibility. This is not a giving that causes spoiled children. No, because notice the other verse we read up front. In Luke 11, 52, Jesus says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. What's happening here? Jesus is telling the so-called spiritual fathers of Israel, You have taken away the key of knowledge about the kingdom from the people. Not only are you not entering into the kingdom, but you are hindering others from entering. See, the type of giving that our Father gives, our Heavenly Father gives, it comes with knowledge. And knowledge brings about self-control, Peter said in 2 Peter 1. It brings about responsibility. You know what is a sobering fact for me as a father today? I believe it probably would be a sobering fact to all fathers here today is we can either be a help or a hindrance 
to our children entering the kingdom of God. See, the lawyers of Jesus' day were those who determined the laws. They determined whether people were guilty or innocent. They determined whether people could go free or could go into prison. They're the ones that had the authority that affected those around them. Well, as a father in my kingdom, in my home, I'm the one that has the authority to make some decisions that can either lead to freedom and lead to blessings and lead to a help of my children coming to know the Heavenly Father or I can make laws and rules and decisions that actually hinder them from encountering and seeing clearly the Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father. See, notice there's a key of knowledge. And it's connected to the kingdom of God. In fact, Paul told the young minister, Timothy, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Notice that. The knowledge of scripture is able to make people wise to experience salvation. To experience forgiveness of sins. To experience a right relationship with God, their creator. But the lawyers, those that had the authority in Jesus' day, they took that knowledge and they hid it. They kept it from the people. It's the same as for me and for you, whether you're a father or not, is that you have knowledge. The knowledge of God's ways. The knowledge of scriptures. And that knowledge is to be a key that can unlock people from the grips and the power of deception and darkness. To unlock people from the lies and, and sin and, and wrong thinking. Or it can also cause people to be propelled into God's purpose and plan for their life. See, fathers, spiritual fathers, all of us who are disciples, who are going to be conformed to the character of our Heavenly Father, you need to hear this. You want to hold fast the key of knowledge so that you can hand out the knowledge of the kingdom. If you don't hold fast to the key of knowledge, if you don't hold fast to the knowledge of God and His ways as revealed in Scripture, then you're not able to hand out that knowledge. If you don't receive the knowledge of seeing our Father in His kingdom, then you will not have the knowledge to hand out to those of you, around you, to your children to friends, to family members regarding the knowledge of the kingdom. And why is this key of knowledge so important? Well, guess what? You wouldn't have came here today if you didn't have the knowledge that there was a building and a place called dwelling place to come to. You don't walk into a room unless you have the knowledge of a door that will give you access and leads into a room. How many of you know about the escape rooms now in major cities? We, of course, live here in a major city in Atlanta, and, and I haven't been fortunate enough to go, but I know some people in our community that has, and uh, Lord willing, I'll go. But they have these escape rooms, and they lock you in these rooms for an hour. Why do they lock you into this room for an hour? They're giving you time to start perceiving what in the beginning you didn't perceive, that there is an actual door and a way out of the room. See, without the knowledge of the way out, you can't get out. Or without the knowledge that there's a way in, people can't get in. This is the key of knowledge regarding the kingdom. In Luke 17, 20, Jesus is being asked about the kingdom of God, about the knowledge of 
the kingdom of God. And it says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It doesn't come just with natural eyesight. If it was just natural eyesight, then it wouldn't take preaching and teaching. It wouldn't take you living out the character of Christ on your job. It wouldn't take you living out the fruit of the Spirit in the community to awaken people. Their perception that there is a door. There is a way out of sin. There is a way out of misery. There is a way out of deception. That there is a door that has been opened by Jesus Christ to come back into a relationship with their Creator and their Father. But it says the kingdom of God does not come come with natural observation nor will they say see here clearly there it is or see there clearly it is no for the kingdom of God is among you it's in your midst it's among us and yet we can't see it with the natural eye that's why Jesus said there is a key of knowledge And that key of knowledge is what begins to unlock people's perception, unlock people's hearts to the eternity that God has placed there. There's got to be people that use the key. And I feel this today that for fathers, you got to understand that God has given you a key. It's a key of knowledge that you can unlock or you can lock the kingdom of God for those of your children and those that live in your your home or those that God has put in your life to influence. Single mothers, all of us, we have the ability to take the key of knowledge regarding the kingdom and unlock or lock things to those around us. So the first thing when we clearly perceive and see our heavenly father in his kingdom is we understand that he is given giving. Secondly, the father in his kingdom gives Keys. He gives keys. Keys represent power and authority in the Bible. There are rooms all around you that you don't have the power and authority to enter because you don't have the key. There are other rooms that you have the authority and the ability to enter because you do have the key. Fathers, listen to me to the level... You grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord is to the level you have the keys of the kingdom knowledge to hand down to your children. And it's the same for every disciple and follower of Jesus Christ today. To the level that you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord is to the level you have the keys of the kingdom knowledge to hand down to those around you. The rest of our time is I want to talk about some of these keys that we see the Father has in His kingdom. The first key I want to talk about is the key of purpose. The key of purpose. Whether you're a father here today, a spiritual father, or a single mother, or just a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to understand that there is a key of purpose. The father's purpose preceded time. Meaning God's purpose preceded the creation of time. God's purpose preceded the creation of the earth. God's purpose preceded the creation of mankind. It existed outside of time. It existed in eternity. The purpose of the kingdom existed before you and I. Before I was, God's purpose is. It's very important to understand that each and every person that is born needs this key, this key of purpose. That understand it doesn't matter the circumstances surrounding your birth, that before you were, God's purpose is. That you exist because God's purpose existed. That you're not just a happenstance. That it's not just by chance that you are here. But you are born 
And purpose has existed even before you were born. This is why people today, this is why the majority of, of males who are in prison grow up in a fatherless home because they didn't have the key of purpose unlocked to them, a sense of purpose. They just think that they're an accident. They don't even know why they existed. They're just going through the motion. And God has given us here as a community of dwelling place, and he's given to us fathers and spiritual fathers. He's given us a key of knowledge called the key of purpose that we can walk around to any person in this community. We can walk around to anybody that's confused about their identity and their existence and their purpose, and we can tell them before you were here, before you've experienced what life has handed you, that there was a purpose that preceded all of that. And though that purpose may have been hidden from you and though that purpose maybe has been covered up by hurt today I'm here in your life to unlock by a key a key of purpose that there still is purpose for you there still is purpose I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy in chapter 1 beginning in verse 9 he's talking about the gospel and the power of God he says God has saved us through this gospel through his power and he's called us with a holy calling not according to our works. Remember, it's not something we earn. What the Father has, He wants to give us. He gives purpose freely. He gives uh, what we need freely. But according to His own purpose and grace, watch this, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Before your father rejected you, before the person left you, before the circumstances and the trials came into your life, before all things, purpose of God for your life existed. But he says, only now has this purpose been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Notice what Paul says. Paul says God has given us freely purpose even before time began. But this purpose has only now been revealed through the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, who was Jesus Christ? Was he a computer? No. Was he technology? No. Was he a system? No. Was he a job? No. Jesus Christ was a son. What is it saying then? It's saying if God's purpose of why he created everything was manifested through Jesus Christ that in Jesus we understand God's purpose for doing everything and what is it? God desired from eternity to have a host, a multitude of sons and daughters that he could fill with his spirit that would reflect him upon the earth. This is the purpose of God that preceded all things to have sons and daughters who would be filled with his spirit that's why in Genesis 1, when he creates mankind, he says, be fruitful and multiply because you're made in my image. Of course, that was before sin, and now sin has, it has absolutely marred. It has absolutely corrupted. It has absolutely covered up the image of God in his, 
humanity, but God has manifested through Jesus that there is a way for light and perception to come into your darkness. There is a way for life and new life and a new start and a new heart to come where there's been death and sorrow and grief in your life. He's given us purpose. Purpose. I preached several years ago. I came across this documentary, and this is what it's truly called, so I'm not trying to make a joke here, but it's called General Butt Naked. Don't let my accent get in the way, but General Butt Naked. And what it's about, it's about a man who was demon-possessed. He was a general over in Africa, and he led multitudes of young people, seven-year-olds, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, with machetes and machine guns, and they would go and fight. Led multitudes of children in deception. Later he came to know Jesus Christ because believers manifested Jesus to him boldly. And that seed God used to bring him into the kingdom. And he was being interviewed and they asked him, said, how in the world could you lead so many children just into battle and kids giving their life for no cause? And here's what he said. He said, I would take Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and he would get the kids high drunk and not in a clear mental state and he would have them watch these movies of violence and he told them he said life is just like the movie see when one John claude van damme movie was over he would appear in another movie and what he would tell them is is if you die in this movie in this life you'll just awake and appear in another life what he's saying is, is he's saying what you're going through is not the only reality. And so he would lead them to murder and to kill and just mess. It was just messed up. But listen, this is what can happen when the key of purpose doesn't unlock a sense of purpose in the next generation and all people. This is why you got humans pretending they're animals. People doing crazy and strange things. Why? Because the key of knowledge and the key of purpose hasn't unlocked the sense that they exist by the will of God and they exist to be filled with God's spirit to manifest and show his image on the earth. See, the key of purpose is to unlock the purpose of proclamation. What do I mean? Listen to me, fathers. Fathers find purpose in the proclamation to their children that they have a purpose in God's eternal purpose. I'm going to say it again. Fathers find purpose in the proclamation to their children that they have a purpose in God's eternal purpose. This is how you begin to have a sense of purpose. Your job's not going to ultimately fulfill the greatest level of sense of purpose, fathers. It is you sharing and using the key of purpose to unlock in your children a sense of purpose that they have a story in God's overall story. And you know what? Not only do fathers find purpose in the proclamation to their children that they have a purpose, but our children are to find purpose in proclamation. What do I mean? Do you know that Jesus... Often, he went and proclaimed and taught in the synagogues, the religious circles, the Jewish nation of his day. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what? He's anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to proclaim, to proclaim liberty, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In Luke 4, 43, notice what Jesus said. I must preach the kingdom of God. Two other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. What is it saying? It's saying that the purpose is to proclaim. Fathers, you need your children to understand that their purpose is to proclaim. To proclaim what? To proclaim Jesus Christ. Mothers, single mothers, you need to unlock with the key of knowledge, the key of purpose in your children that their purpose is to proclaim. To proclaim the kingdom of God. To proclaim the Father's heart. To proclaim the Father's goodness. To proclaim the Father's mercy and compassion and forgiveness and the qualities. You have purpose and the purpose is proclamation. You're saying, well, wait a minute. My, my children's not called to be a preacher or... Or a pastor? No, no, no. Listen. Proclamation in the Bible just means to herald, to sound forth. Every one of us has a purpose of proclaiming Jesus Christ, whether it's through our gifts, whether it's through our personality, whether it's through our spiritual gifts, whether it's through our talents, whether it's through our job, whether it's through our life experience, that your purpose is to proclaim Christ through those things. That's the purpose. The purpose is not a job. The purpose is to proclaim Christ through the job. To proclaim Christ. That Christ would be revealed. That Christ would be manifested. That the kingdom would be perceived and become evident and clear to those around us through what we do. So number one key is the key of purpose. It unlocks the purpose of proclamation. That they're to proclaim Christ through what they do, through their talents, through their gifts. The second key I want to talk about is the key of priority. The key of priority. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, But seek first, everybody say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you seek the things that you need? Do you seek the questions that you have first? No. He says, if you'll seek first the kingdom, then what you have need of will be added to you. In Luke 9, 59, Jesus said to another person that came to him, follow me. The person said in return, Lord, let me first. Everybody say first. Let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own. But you first go and preach. Why? Because the purpose of every person on the earth is to proclaim the kingdom of God and the good, good Father. To manifest Christ to those around us. Another one said in verse 61, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first. Everybody say first. Go and bid my family farewell who are at my house. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What do you see? Jesus, who is the image of our Father on the earth, he is showing us the key, the key of priority. That because you have a purpose, and the purpose preceded even your birth, because you have a story within the overall story of the kingdom of God, because now you have a purpose, you are to have the priority of seeking the fulfillment and the living out of that purpose. If you don't allow the purpose of God for your life to become the priority of your life, then you'll never fulfill the pro proclamation that God has called you to 
in revealing Christ to those around you. This is not something where the kingdom of God can be on the back burner. This is not something that we can just have as a hobby and when we have spare time, the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God has to be a priority. It's got to be a first. And only when the kingdom of God becomes a priority and a first does all the other things make sense. All the other things fall in line. The key of priority. It's the priority of purpose. It's the priority of how you are called to proclaim the kingdom. I think about what the preacher said in Ecclesiastes 12.1. He said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. Fathers, this is why we're in the life of our children, to take the key of priority and say, now prioritize God's purpose for your life. Now prioritize God's way of how he wants you to manifest and proclaim Christ to those around you. That if you don't learn to seek it first, you'll never, never, never seek it. You'll never seek it. The priority, the key of priority. I love what Hebrews 3 talks about when he's going through the nation of Israel and he's using what God did with the nation of Israel regarding now us who are followers of Christ and he's talking about the promised land. He's talking about the heavenly calling, that calling that Paul said that God gave us, not by our own works, but even before time began in Jesus Christ. And guess what Hebrews 3 says? Today, everybody say today. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden the heart, their hearts as in their rebellion. What's he saying? That if you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you today, if you hear the voice of the kingdom speaking to you today, prioritize the key of priority. You got to prioritize what God says to you or you'll even forget what he said to you. In fact, I made that mistake this week. I had... Um, in fact, when we do a series and I don't kick off, I listen of how God's using Pastor Craig and what he said up to that point for me to sort of sense what he wants me to say to the community. And so a lot of times I'll get the, the birth or the beginning of what God wants me to say when I'm up in the series while I'm listening to Pastor Craig. And so the Lord had already given me the two messages that I was to preach this series. And uh, he gave it to me two weeks ago. And I had written it on the back of a sermon card. Now that I say that, some of you are going, oh, light bulb moment. Uh, you say, what do you mean? Because I had texts multiple people here saying, hey, this week, have you seen a sermon card? Because the, the messages that God gave me, I didn't prioritize keeping it with me. And in the midst of moving and everything else, it went somewhere. I just don't know where that somewhere was. So I had to get silent again and have the Lord repeat again what he had already said to me. See, when we don't prioritize his voice, when we don't prioritize his kingdom, then things get out of a line. And we go about living, fathers. We go about making a good home for our children. We go about making money, but we're not actually proclaiming Christ and using the keys he's given us to unlock what only we can unlock in those around us and to lock up what needs to be locked up in those around us. When you think about the key of priority, you begin to think about then the key of priority unlocks the priority of preparation. When you begin to say, okay, if the kingdom and God's way of how he's called me to preach and proclaim Christ and reveal Christ to those around me, if that's to be the priority, then that key of priority unlocks the need of preparation. In fact, Luke 14, 26, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not 
have second his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, at least after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes with him with, with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise... Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Notice what Jesus said. The key of priority unlocks the sense that preparation is needed. He says, sit down first and count the cost. He said, sit down first and consider whether you're able. Did you know that when you see the Father, the Heavenly Father in His kingdom, you see a Father who counted the cost first before He ever created the earth? He counted the cost. This is why the Bible says Jesus was slain even before the foundations of the earth. Because the Father knew, if I create an earth where man has the ability to obey me or disobey me, they have the ability to resist my kingdom or yield to my kingdom. He counted the cost that if man rebels against me and begins to make me their enemy and Satan begins to rebel against me and make me my enemy, he counted the cost by having prepared before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ coming and dying to fix what has been messed up and to heal what has been broken. He counted the cost. He counted the cost. In fact, all fathers who see the heavenly father will count the cost. What will it take if we have child number two, child number three, child number one? What will it take on my marriage if I take this job? We if we see the Father in His kingdom, we understand that the key of priority is to unlock the importance of preparation. But the Father's priority was to have sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. The key of priority also unlocks the priority of pursuit. You got to pursue. In fact, Luke chapter 15, which follows the priority of preparation we just read there about counting the cost and sitting down first, Jesus gives three parables. He gives three stories that help us understand this overall story called the kingdom of God. And here's what the three stories are. Are you ready for it? The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now, I'm no genius, but what is common in those three things? The lost. What Jesus is saying is is he gives these three stories to act as a threefold cord to strengthen that the priority of preparation greatly affects the priority of pursuit. Do you know why people are pursuing all the wrong things? Are they pursuing some good things but in the wrong order? Because they haven't yet had the priority of preparation. But when you get the priority of preparation to pursue first the kingdom of God, only then do you understand what are you to prioritize pursuing. What we prioritize in our pursuing is that which is lost. Has innocence been lost in your life? Has joy been lost in your life? Has the peace of God been lost in your life? 
Has the Father's love and experiencing His love been lost in your life? Has purity been lost in your life? Has a sense of confidence and acceptance been lost in your life? This is the priority of pursuit. That you will not experience and find what has been lost unless you understand the key of priority is to unlock the priority of pursuing it. You're not just one day going to be walking around and boom, fall into peace. You're not just going to one day be walking around and fall into forgiveness. No, you got to prioritize pursuing the very things that the devil and circumstances and life and the mess and the brokenness around you has stolen for, from you. You see this. The Father is one who pursues what was taken from Him. We as His creation was taken captive by sin and the Father didn't just sit back and say, well, I hope one day they come back to me. No, He prioritized the pursuit. He said, I'm going to send my Son. I'm going to come down to them and speak to them in a language they can understand. In a human man, in a human language, I'm going to prioritize pursuing them. Some of you maybe need to prioritize pursuing your Father today. I know we got all kinds of situations in there. I grew up up like this knowing that if I didn't call my father today even though we didn't talk any other time the rest of the year then when I did finally call him I was going to hear a lashing I was going to hear why didn't you call me on father's day though it would have been easy for me to say well why didn't you call me on my birthday and this and graduate this and this and this but some of us maybe the spirit of God is saying to us that we got to prioritize the pursuit of what's been lost don't wait for them to call. Why don't you call first? Don't wait for them to visit. Why don't you visit first? The priority of pursuit. Jesus said people are the seeds of the kingdom. They're the containers of the potential of God's purpose and kingdom. Jesus said compel people to come into the kingdom. You know what he said? He said you go find them. You go compel them. You go pursue them. People are not going to come to find Jesus just out on their own. The main tool that God uses for people to perceive the kingdom is you and I. That's why at the very heart of this church is as we are going. We gather. We don't gather as a priority for the going. As we're going, the priority, we gather. We grow, we group, we give. Go and compel them with the key of knowledge. Jesus said the kingdom is like a gate and people are pressing into it. You got to press in and prioritize more peace, more healing, more of God's promises that are yes and amen. It is the priority of pursuit. But in all the pursuit of what's been lost in our life and all of the pursuit of maybe the career that God's created us for and for the things around us, we cannot forget that the key of priority actually unlocks the priority of people. The priority of people. Listen to this. In Luke 15, 7, Jesus says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What is he saying? Heaven gets more excited when one sinner repents than when the 99 of us pay our tithes, show up at the gathering, go to come to growth phases, show up on the job on time, do what God prioritizes lost people. You know why there's such a rejoicing when one sinner repents? Because that means there's not many sinners repenting today. 
See, you don't get excited about what is common. If I called you out to our, say, hey, come hang out at our new house, and I walked you around and said, man, look at all the pine cones. And look at it. Woo! Look at that pile. There's 25 right there. Oh, my goodness. Come over here. Let me show you more. Here, here's a pile. 75 pine cones. You're like, we don't celebrate and get excited about what's common. The reason heaven rejoices is there's not a lot of sinners repenting. He goes on in Luke 15, 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he concludes this threefold story about the pursuit of people. In Luke 15, 22, the father says to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put it on my son that was lost and thou found. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Listen to me. When you see the Father in his kingdom, you see the Father prioritize people. And let me just tell fathers today, we got to prioritize our children over projects. We got to prioritize our children over programs. We got to prioritize our children over trying to be perfect. We got to, all disciples of Christ, prioritize people over what we do. The Father prioritized people. He prioritized it. We'll, pro we'll prioritize pursuing people over our personal preferences. Fathers, when you see the Father in this kingdom, you will pursue the children God has given to you over what the world will make you work for. We will pursue our children for the purpose God has for them, not for the purpose we have for them. Father prioritizes the pursuit of people. What if dwelling place, we always see the Father in His kingdom and we always pursue people over projects. We always pursue people over programs. We always pursue people over trying to be perfect and performance-oriented and looking professional. We pursue people. The third and last key I want to talk about is the key of presence the key of presence you know God is invisible the Bible makes it clear no one has at any time seen God but God sent his son to be the express image of the father so much that the son could say if you've seen me you've seen the heavenly father in me God the Father sent the Son so that His presence could be with us. In fact, Paul said the whole mystery of why God did all of this and even sent the Son to die on the cross and to be buried and to be resurrected was so that God could dwell in us, that His presence could dwell in us. This is what you see throughout the whole story of the kingdom in the Old Testament. That once man rebelled against the presence of God and did not prioritize a relationship with God and they chose sin... That God was constantly trying to get his presence closer. He tells Moses, build a tabernacle. And only one person, one time a year can come in there because my presence is going to be there. And though I can't get my presence into everybody, at least my presence will be among my people. Then he tells Solomon to build a temple. 
Acts chapter 7 shows the whole story that God is working in the story of his kingdom to get his presence back in his people and his creation. Don't want to be a distant father, a distant creator, but a, one who is ever near. Did you know the cross is God prioritizing his pursuit of you to the extent that he would prefer to give up his only begotten son so that he could bring you back into his presence? That's how much he longs for your presence and longs for his presence to be in you. You find these wonderful descriptions of Jesus who is the Father's presence on earth. For example, in Luke 18, 15, they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. See, the disciples at this point was not seeing the Father in his kingdom. They're only seeing their kingdom, their authority. And Jesus, who is clearly seeing the Father in his kingdom, says, let the little children come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What's it saying? That children need the presence and the touch. Presence and touch. Healthy, godly, pure touch that represents you're not alone. That you're known. That you're cared for. In Luke 6, 19, it says not only the children, but the whole multitude. The people who were children who didn't get the touch. Who didn't get a sense that you're valuable. That you're needed. That you're known. Those that felt alone in life. Those that felt abandoned in life. Now they're owed. And the whole multitude is seeking to touch him. Because power went out from him and healed them all. Listen, fathers. This is the key of presence. That our presence unlocks healing and empowerment in our children. It unlocks them to understand that there's someone who knows their name. There's someone that sees them. There's someone that cares for them. That they're not alone. They're not abandoned. But this is the key of presence. This is the wonderful thing of why we're called to gather. It's the key of presence that you come in and maybe this week you felt all alone. You thought, no one's thinking about me. No one knows the trial. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Don't forget that brothers and sisters in the faith are going through trials all over the earth. And we come in and in the presence of other disciples, we're reminded we're not alone. We're not alone. Jesus is the Father's presence. And the key of presence, listen, is to unlock the presence of parties. In Luke 15, when, when uh, Jesus tells that the lost son returns, what does the father do? He throws a party. He throws a party. He throws a party. What's he saying? He's saying when you see the father in his kingdom, he is joyful. It is a party atmosphere. It is celebratory. It is joy. It is peace. It's everything that's been missing in our life. We've been longing for. And fathers, this is what we are to use. We're to use the key of our presence that when we come into our children, they know a party's about to happen. Not a program. Not just principles. Not just do and do nots. Not just discipline. But there is the priority or the presence of parties. It's a celebration. Because you know what? Sons and daughters and those that lost will run quicker to the Heavenly Father when there's the presence of parties, not just the presence of principles. When there's a celebration that the kingdom's here, though you've never perceived it before. Jesus talked about that the kingdom's like a person giving a feast. 
Matthew threw a party for his friends to meet Jesus. I pray whether you're a single mom or just a disciple or a father that your presence brings rejoicing. It brings empowerment. It brings a sense of victory, a sense of touch, a sense of being personally involved with those around you. See, parties of celebrating, not that our children are perfect, but that our children are progressing. Progressing. And then lastly, the key of presence is to unlock the presence of position. What do I mean? In Luke 7, 27, it says, This is he of whom it is written. This is John the Baptist saying, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But watch this. He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Fathers, our presence should unlock in our children the position they can have that they live now. That being restored to the Heavenly Father and following Jesus Christ gives them a position greater than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. That they live in the greatest season on the earth today where God's presence can indwell them and they can be empowered to release the touch and to manifest and proclaim Christ to those around them. presence of position Jesus he tells a story in Luke 5 about the kingdom and verse 20 says he saw their faith and he said to them man your sins are forgiven you dude your sins are forgiven this man was a crippled he sees the friend's face and say dude man don't worry about it. your sins are forgiven and the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason saying who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone but when Jesus perceived their thoughts he answered and said to them why are you reasoning in your hearts what is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk but that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralyzed I say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house listen fathers Single mothers, leaders in the kingdom. Our presence is to remind them of their position that they have with the Father. That it's not based on them being perfect. That what has crippled them, what has kept them from moving forward, what has kept them from proclaiming Jesus Christ, what has kept them from experience, what the Father wants to give, joy and peace and right relationships, that their position is not based on their performance. It's based on the person of Jesus Christ. And though they've been captive by sin, though they failed, though they're not perfect, they still are in a position through Jesus Christ to not only be forgiven, but to come into the loving arms of the Father who will still give them the very thing they don't deserve. And fathers, we unlock this in our children that when they come into our presence, they understand it's okay you're not perfect. It's okay that you failed. But guess what? Your position with me is don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I know it's kept you down. I know it's kept you up at night. But it's okay. Because of Jesus. The sin 
sins, the guilt, the shame, the failures can all be dealt with. And because of it, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you His goodness, His acceptance, His purpose, His forgiveness, His life, His joy, regardless of your performance. We're to remind them through the key of presence. That it's about position before God and Jesus Christ, not performance. That there is none who has not failed but Jesus Christ. There is none that is perfect but Jesus Christ. There is none that is worthy but Jesus Christ. And let our position fathers unlock in our children that it's okay because of Jesus He can get you up where you fell down. He can heal you where you've been crippled. He can mend you where you've been broken because of Jesus. You want to talk about people being unlocked? To not hide in a pig pen? To not hide eating the things of this world that never satisfies and fulfills? But children who will run to the Father's embrace, run to the Father's arms? When they understand because of a man named Jesus it's okay he can raise you up and you can go and sin no more his touch can heal his voice can empower victory his voice can cause new things to spring forth in your life and it can sever off the old I want to ask you to stand fathers and mothers and disciples it's my prayer that we would see our father in his kingdom because our ability to see our father in his kingdom will absolutely determine whether we can represent and reveal the father in our own kingdom in our own sphere fathers, mothers, disciples the father wants to give you what you don't have to work for. He wants to give you the heart and the perception that what you have, it's not because you work for it, it's because the Father truly has given it to you. He gave you that job. He gave you those hands. He gave you those talents. He gave you those breath. May you take the key of purpose and begin to unlock in the people around you that their purpose is to proclaim Jesus who says it's okay. Just come back to the Father. It's okay. I know you didn't perceive the kingdom, but it's the Father's good pleasure to give you right standing and forgiveness and healing and restoration and purity and deliverance and joy and peace. Take the key of priority, fathers, and live it out. Let them see you more passionate for your purpose to know and to proclaim Christ than your job, than the money that's in the bank, than those temporary things. Let them see your passion and prioritize the kingdom of God. Let them see you preparing as a priority. Let them see you pursuing as a priority. Let them see you caring about people as a priority. Use the key of presence. Be near to them. Touch them. Speak to them. Affirm them. 
when they get in your presence, let it be celebratory. Don't always focus on the little things that won't matter in five years, whether they cleaned up their room or not. Let your presence be a party that because of Jesus, we win. Because of Jesus, we have the kingdom. Because of Jesus, we have acceptance with the ultimate Father with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today, you say, I've never seen the Father through Jesus. I didn't know that before my hurt, before my sin, before my shame, before my guilt, that purpose preceded all of my failures, that God gave me purpose through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ came to restore me to my purpose of being a child of God filled with the Spirit, forgiven, at peace with my Creator. I want to make my Creator my Father, and I want to make Jesus the Son, my Lord, and I want to repent and turn from my life that has blinded me from the kingdom. And I'm counting the cost. I'm understanding I'm giving everything I am and all that I have to the only one who's worthy, the only one who's perfect, to the only one that's made my past become okay, who can forgive and cleanse it. I'm giving it all to Jesus. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to know if you acknowledge Jesus today as Lord. Lift your hand up and write back down. I want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.